Welcome to the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast for Wednesday, September 14th. My name is Mark Schofield. Chuck Zotta is going to be out today, but I am joined by Alex Kazora from Steelers Depot uh, to talk about the big win that the Pittsburgh Steelers had over Washington on Monday night. But before we get to Alex, I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by Crossover Football, a powerful tool giving coaches the ability to break down game film to pull stats, create searchable clips, generate tendency reports, and much more from both desktop and mobile solutions. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon for one free breakdown today. Now, Alex, we were just talking before I hit record and it's always better to start week one with a win, isn't it? Yeah, it feels good just to get that one out of the way. And uh, I was telling you, Mark, you know, I, I wasn't feeling too great about uh, the game coming into things against Washington. I knew that, it, that they were a good team. And frankly, I'm a little surprised by how dominant and kind of how easily Pittsburgh won last night. Yeah, I want to start kind of on how this game unfolded. I mean, Washington goes up 6 nothing. They get two field goals. So let's start with the defense. Was there anything that Pittsburgh was doing early in this game that either – gave Washington some opportunities or was this kind of a just a slow start for that defense it was a little bit of both. Uh, definitely early on, uh, really the whole first half in general, Mark, uh, the tackling was poor. Uh, you know, the first uh, Washington converted two of their first three downs were some yak plays to Jordan Reed that, that allowed drives to extend that probably shouldn't have happened. Um, you know, the other element, though, the, you know, the Steelers get an interception, it gets returned, uh, I think, the, uh, to, to the Steelers' 37-yard line, so it put the Steelers in a tough spot just naturally. And to their credit, you know, they hold Washington to a field goal, um, which is a big situation. Mike Tomlin always preaches about those situations, things off of turnovers. He calls them sudden change opportunities. And I thought the defense uh, responded well. But as the game went on, the tackling got better. Um, situationally, Pittsburgh got a whole lot better. The defense as a whole was not great, but situationally, red zone play, uh, third down. Um, you know, Washington started two or three on third down. They finished one to seven. Um, the sudden change element to it, creating some turnovers, um, all that kind of came into play. So just like the whole team, the defense got off to a slow start, but kind of settled in and finished out strong. It looked to me like at the beginning, Pittsburgh was playing a little bit more man coverage, and then they started to switch a little bit to some more zone stuff. And it seemed like when they went to, made that switch, they had a little bit more effectiveness and kind of you know not giving Washington chances for yards after the catch. Did that? Did you notice that, or, or am I missing something here? No, I think you're on the money, uh, Mark. I don't know what the exact split is. I know the coaches' film, as of the recording right now, just went up a couple hours ago, so I haven't really gotten the chance to dive in. But, you know, I know a lot of Steeler fans, sometimes they get annoyed by zone coverage because it allows some of those easy completions underneath. If you're going to play the Steelers' base cover three, you're going to give up the five-yard hitch in a lot of situations. But the thing I love about zone coverage is that you just always have all 11 eyes on the football, and that allows you to rally and have multiple hats uh, to the ball carrier and not allow that kind of yak. And whenever you have the weapons, the Washington does with Deshaun Jackson and Jordan Reed and Pierre Garçon, Jamison Crowder. Um, you need all eyes on the football. You need guys to get multiple hats to try to get some of those guys to the ground. So, um, you know, the Steelers were able to kind of play that old classic LeBeau slash Keith Butler MO of stop the run. I think Washington had 55 yards rushing, uh, put, you know, them in third and long, and you can play your zone coverage and play at the sticks and then rally to the football underneath. And I think that kind of came together pretty nicely for Pittsburgh last night. On that defensive side of the ball, Sean Davis, the, the rookie from Maryland, saw it looks like 46 snaps defensively. That's 79% of Steelers' uh, snaps on the defensive side of the ball. What were your takeaways from his performance on opening night? 
Uh, pretty rough early. Uh, you go back to the tackling. Um, it it kind of felt very similar to his first preseason game against Detroit. Super nervous. Uh, the tackling was not great. Uh, but I, I think people just have to understand how difficult of a spot he's in. I mean, one, just for, I know the way the league's going and even the Steelers are going, more rookies are starting and, and having a, a year one impact. But to just to kind of get thrown into that spot, you're playing the nickel corner, which is not his ideal spot. He's better at safety. He'll, he'll be the first one to admit that. Um, he, but he's still getting safety reps. They were using dime packages. He played safety in a couple of the dime packages Steelers ran. He's getting some run on special teams as well. He's having to wear a lot of hats. He's having to play a lot of snaps. Played 185 snaps in the preseason. That was most of anybody on this defense. He played a good chunk of the time last night. Like you said, I think 50 some some snaps out of the I think 58 that the Pittsburgh had in total. So um, I think from a conditioning standpoint, I think from an assignment standpoint, um, it's been very good. He's not looking tired out there. He's not blowing coverages. He's not giving up those big chunk plays. Um, the tackling has to probably get a little bit cleaner, and I think it did as the game went on. Um, but I think overall, just given the situation he's in, because he wasn't supposed to be the starting slot corner, um, he's doing a nice job. What about this defensive front? Washington held to 55 yards on the ground. Some of that it might have been the game sort of getting mm-hmm. ahead, getting away from them a bit, and they had to put the ball in the air a little bit. But what were your takeaways from this defensive front? I mean, holding any team to under 60 yards on the ground is a pretty impressive feat. Absolutely. If you look back, I think in the last, uh, I forget what, what number of games it was, uh, last couple of years or, or five years or so, uh, the Steelers are something like, I think, 36 and five when they hold opponents under 60 yards rushing. So that's kind of the MO. You put teams in third and long, uh, Steelers are going to win a lot of games that way. Um, I, I think a lot of it can be attributed to uh, the game situation, like you said, um, Washington falling behind. Um, you know, but, you know, they, they got the stops when they had to. There weren't any big chunk runs given up. Um, you know, they did a nice job, I think, tackling up front. And again, it's just, you know, it, it, it's all about effort and, and rallying to the football, and that's kind of what this whole defense preaches, especially the defensive line coach, John Mitchell, all those guys, you know, Hayward and Tewitt, um, they learn from Aaron Smith and Brett Kiesel about rallying to the football and hustling and never quitting on a play, and it's kind of infectious. It's come down for Tewitt and Hayward. They're passing it along now to a guy like the rookie Javon Hargrave, so I think it's just a lot of effort, uh, plays a lot of detail work that makes Steelers so, so successful against the run. Let's talk about Ryan Shazier. Um, had a, saw a ton of snaps last night. Actually led Pittsburgh with five tackles and one assisted tackle. Um, Shazier and the rest of the linebackers. Um, are you confident right now that this group has got some experience there, is going to be able to sustain this level of performance throughout this, this season? Against the run, I think they're going to be fine. And, and obviously last night's kind of stats showed that. But here's my biggest concern with the Steelers' defense. And I had this concern coming into the year. It was heightened with the news of Bud Dupree missing at least half of the year with his groin issue, sports hernia, whatever you you want to call it um it's the pass rush and, and and i know the steelers were third in sacks last year with 48 but only 15 of those came from the outside linebackers and a lot of that was scheme created by keith butler um you saw it last night the steelers did not get a pass rush at all and no keith butler was not nearly as aggressive as usual i think a lot of that had to do with washington doing empty sets and spreading the field out and you have to you know declare your blitzes and it's kind of hard to blitz when you're facing empty sets so much um but just uh, no sacks on kirk cousins only thing, i think two quarterback hits and 44 dropbacks. Uh, that's an unacceptable number for the Steelers' defense. And so, you know, I'm really worried about the edge guys because that's still where it starts as good as Cam Hayward and Stephon are. You have to have a dominant edge rusher if you really want to be as successful um, as you can be in Pittsburgh. And with Bud Dupree on the shelf, the guy that I was hoping to take that next step and have a breakout season, um, there's really nobody else that I can see that's going to make that kind of jump, whether it's Jarvis Jones or Arthur Motes or James Harrison. They're all good players in, in, in kind of small quantities and in certain respects, but no 
one's going to be the dominant, you know, the tackles have to fear you, you have to game plan against kind of edge guy. So, um, you know, no sacks, no sacks last night, not a lot of pressure. Um, Kirk Cousins just played poorly. And, uh, you know, that, that's going to make Keith Butler manufacture pressure and have to blitz five and run a lot of those fire zones um, just to get to the quarterback. And that's going to make you more exposed in the back end. So that's my chief concern with Pittsburgh right now. Mark Schofield joined by Alex Kazor from Steelers Depot going over Pittsburgh's big open night win over Washington. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the offensive side of the ball, but before I do, I want to remind our listeners that crossover football can help coaches win more games and make smarter use of the film room with their teams. Crossover breaks down your film and stats out the tape, giving you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a wealth of other great information that you can access from any PC or mobile device. Your team's formations and personnel packages can be labeled with your team's terminology. You can create custom highlight reels for your players, and you can exchange video with anyone on any platform, including all of your players and assistant coaches. To try one game for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon to get one breakdown for free today. Alex, let's talk about this Pittsburgh offense. You mentioned the slow start. Roethlisberger had an early interception, but that didn't seem like everybody kind of settled in and Roethlisberger had a nice night. What were your general takeaways from the Pittsburgh offense on opening night? Yeah, it was just that. It was a slow start, but once that, it was like a snowball. Once that snowball gets rolling down the hill, it's not going to stop for anybody. And, uh, you know, I think the big thing was they kind of established a ground game. Um, it was tough early on. They were running a lot of 11 personnel, three-guard receiver sets, and they couldn't really get a great push up front. So they kind of changed things up a little bit, went to 12 and 22 personnel, kind of got that ground game going, brought some energy and some life back into that offense. Um, and then from there, I mean, you know, you don't have to ask me about what makes Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown so great. Um, you know, the, the Redskins did not want to shadow with Josh Norman, so you're going to put Breland on AB, and uh, that's perfectly fine with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They moved AB around a lot, um, got matchups that they wanted. Uh, that's a credit to, to what AB is capable of, but also just Todd Haley's creativity of, of putting his players in the best matchups possible. But um, you got the run game going. Um, you got some big you know chunk plays in the pass game. You were pretty clean, uh, penalty-wise, turnover-wise, the one blemish, um, which was a miscommunication between Ben and, and his receiver, Eli Rogers. But overall, um Considering all the pieces that, that, that have missed, uh, you know, whether it's Ladarius Green, Martavis Bryant, Le'Veon Bell, Marcus Wheaton, um, very encouraging uh, start for the Steelers offense. You guys have up on Steelers Depot. I was looking at your site today um, and some of the tweets you guys were putting out in the aftermath of that game. Ben Roethlisberger on passes over 15 yards against Washington, 6 of 7 for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Did you anticipate that kind of effectiveness in the deep game? Uh, and if you did not, like, what do you think led to that? Was it the fact that, you know, Norman wasn't on Brown, or do you think it was some scheme stuff that Haley was doing, or what contributed to that sort of effectiveness? I think it's just our general MO. You know, it starts with Mike Tomlin. He's the guy that's always, you know, talking about we're not going to live on our fears. We're going to take chances. Um, I, I think it's a really unique relationship between Ben and Todd Haley. Um, I don't know how many offensive coordinators have that kind of complete and utter trust in their quarterback. And it's by a couple around the league, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady and the like. But, um, you know, for all the... The, the news media nationally to talk about the bad blood that exists uh, that's just not not even close to the truth you talk about all the no huddle that the Steelers were run including last night on the road in a hostile environment you know one of the players said they ran no huddle about 70% of the time um, that's giving you know Ben the keys to this offense you know the ability to take shots deep um, you know two fourth and one plays and they, they throw the ball each time well, the one deep ball they be for the first touchdown I researched it last night with Pro Football References play index and I could not find another instance of one 
one team throwing the ball twice and completing it in the first half of a game since 1994. So it's just it's just that rare moment where you have complete trust, you know, offensive coordinator to quarterback, quarterback to receiver, and they're all elite at what they do. Haley's a great play caller. Ben's a top three quarterback, and AB's the best uh, at what he does at wide receiver. So I think you have, again, that really unique situation of everything coming together at the perfect moment. Um, and it, it shows that, you know, whenever a Steelers offense that is kind of, you know, has a lot of injuries and a lot of guys missing can still put up 38 points. D'Angelo Williams getting the start for Le'Veon Bell, who's serving his suspension. 26 attempts for 143 yards and two touchdowns. And this kind of blew me away when I saw it. I think it was he had nine first downs that he converted on the ground, three more than the next closest running back in week one. When you get that kind of contribution from your backup running back, what does that say about your team depth, your offensive line, and your offense as a whole? It's fantastic. I mean, what a relief. Uh, you know, I remember when the Steelers signed like Garrett Blunt in 2014. He was supposed to be the backup, and that just was a disaster. Bell, or Blunt's gone after Week 10, and you know they don't have any depth at all. So when Le'Veon Bell gets hurt against the Bengals in Week 17 for the playoff game, uh, the Steelers are scrambling, and the run game's you know garbage for the for the wild card game. They end up losing. It's such a 180 from that in, in so many different ways. But yeah, Williams is a guy that could probably start on on half these teams in the NFL, maybe more than that. Um, so you're really lucky to have him. He's a tough runner. He's a patient runner. He gets urge after contact. He falls forward. Um, he has the ability to rip off the bit, the, the, the long run. But yeah, the offensive line was really good. Um, the Washington's defensive line is not the greatest. They were battling some injuries as well. But, um, you know, they do a great job up front. You have Marcus Gilbert, David DeCastro, Marquise Pouncey. You're seeing kind of the, the fruits of the investment you put into the offensive line. You've locked all these guys up long-term. DeCastro just got done right before the season started. So it's kind of that element of investing. It's, it's a finding kind of that maybe diamond in a rough and and D'Angelo Williams, who was coming off a bad year in Carolina, dinged up, played six games. Um, then it's the offensive line coach as well, Mike Munchak and Sean Serrett. And, you know, it, it, you know, people think that Munchak is just a zone guy or a one type of a run scheme kind of guy, but he'll throw everything at you. Last night they were running zone. They were running tra- 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 traditional man schemes. They were running power. They were running dart, split zone. I mean, they kind of had everything to throw at you. So, you know, as a defense, you're forced to game plan for everything, both in the passing game and the running game. I think that just adds to the potency the Steelers offense has. I'll admit, Alex, it felt a little strange to watch a Steelers game. And, you know, being in Washington, I was literally at a grocery store around 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. I saw a father and dad. They have their Steelers jerseys on. (laughs) One's got the big Ben jersey. But the dad, he's got a number 83 jersey on. He's got the terrible towel in his hand, and he's ready to go down to FedEx for the game. Obviously, Heath Miller gone. Um, Jesse James steps in, has five receptions for the Steelers. Were you sort of pleasantly surprised with what you saw with James last night? I think it was more of the same from what we saw in the preseason. He's not going to be a spectacular guy that, that Heath was. He's not going to be that kind of blocker, at least not right now, and he's not going to be the vertical detachment from the formation guy that Ladarius Green was supposed to be and hopefully will be at some point if he gets back this year. Um, but yeah, I think he's, you know I think his blocking's been better. Um, he's got great size and length. You know The Steelers are going to require that. They they probably demand more out of their tight ends than the other any other team in the NFL. They're going to ask you to do a lot of things that offensive linemen do, whether that's staying in the, the combo block against the run or stay one-on-one on outside linebackers. I remember last year, uh, week eight, James' uh, first game ever in the NFL, and one of his first snaps is blocking Alden Smith by himself in pass protection. So that's kind of the the standard the Steelers hold. I think James has embraced that. Um, he plays with good effort. He finishes his run blocks. Um, he shows good hands as a, as a receiver. He's able to sit down and find grass and, and, and show the numbers to the quarterback. But uh, you're right, Mark. It's, uh, it's crazy to not see Heath Miller out there. James had five catches last night. That's the first time in Steelers... Uh, for 
for the Steelers that a, a tight end not named Heath Miller has had five catches in a game since 2008. So eight years, and uh, James is the first guy to catch at least five passes at, at tight end. So that, it yeah. is, it, it's kind of weird. Yeah, that's a, that's a long time, and it was strange not seeing that number out there. And you know, wherever the wherever the Steelers play, you would hear that Heath chant every time mm-hmm. he got his hands on the ball. And to not see that last night, it was a little bittersweet. But Alex, before uh, we move off this game and talk a little bit about next week, Chuck's not here, but I got to ask you about the kicking game. Um, he, he would be mad at me if I didn't. You know, Boswell was perfect last night. Uh, Barry only had two punts. Did you see anything in the kicking game that gives you cause for concern right now? No, not at all. I think they were good across the board. Coverage units, punting, um, kicking. Jordan Barry seems to take a, a huge step. Uh, he's always had the leg, but he's showing the consistency. He had a fantastic preseason. And, um, you know, I think he had a good game last night. Maybe he'll move up in Chuck's grades. I saw Chuck put him as the 12th best punter in his NFL 1000. So maybe after this year, he'll move up a couple spots. And then uh, Boswell, uh, money from 46. So uh, And he hit all five extra points. So, um, you know, you, you found two good guys in that. And coverage units were, were solid. Not that they had to be called upon a lot, but... But um, a lot of turnover in that regard, injuries and just kind of offseason, you know, flip-flopping. So that'll be tested throughout the year. But last night was a good start. Alex, week two, Pittsburgh gets their home opener against the Cincinnati Bengals, obviously AFC North battle. Um, You know, Bengals coming to town. How do you see that game shaping up? I know it's, you know, it's only midweek, but how do you see that one going down? It's always going to be intense. It's always going to be close. That rivalry, of course, everyone saw it on the big stage last year in the wild card game. Um, it's become kind of the, the marquee event. Uh, a lot of bad blood between those teams. I'll just give you a real quick one match if I want to look at. And I've talked about it a lot before. I'm talking about the tight end position and kind of the demands that Pittsburgh needs for it. Mike Tomlin actually broke it down really well today. Sometimes he isn't always forthcoming about that stuff, but he had a, a great uh, point today. Uh, the Bengals defensive ends. Big guys, a lot of length. You talk about Michael Johnson, Carlos Dunlap, uh, Mark. Argus Hunt, Will Clark, those all those are all guys that are 6'6", 270 plus with 34 plus inch arms. Um, Argus Hunt is 6'8", with like 35 and three quarters. He was a javelin uh, Olympian. Um, that's going to be tough to defend. And because of the matchups that the Steelers asked their tight ends to be in, specifically in this case, Jesse James, you have to combat that. You have to be able to you know run block them by yourself, uh, pass protect by yourself. Um, so that's a, that's a big uh, kind of challenge that Mike Tomlin put on Jesse James to be able to handle that. Because even whenever they take guys off the field and, and switch guys and flip them, um, you're going to get somebody else with that same exact build coming in. So uh, Marcus Hunt's playing well for the Bengals. He had a block field goal last week, a couple of uh, pass deflections. So um, those are guys that can you know be disruptive in the run game. They're going to use their length to be able to get separation. They're going to get in the way of throwing lanes in the pass game. It's going to make life tougher on Ben Roethlisberger. Um, they're going to be able to collapse the pocket. So um, Jesse James, his offensive tackles versus the Bengals' length and size of defensive end is the number one thing I'm looking at coming into this Sunday's matchup. Well, Alex, as always, thank you so much for coming on with us. Um, great stuff, as always. Uh, folks, you know, if you're not following Alex on Twitter, at Alex underscore Kazora, K-O-Z-O-R-A, you are definitely doing Twitter on. Check out his work on Twitter. Check him out on SteelersDepot.com. Um, Alex, man, thanks for coming on. Great stuff, as always. I appreciate it. All right, folks, that will do it for this edition of the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. We'll be back Thursday. Chuck will be back with me. We'll be covering... I don't know. He'll have something probably in the kicking game that he wants to cover. He probably wants to double up this week, kicker Thursday and kicker Friday. But I'll try to fight that. We'll see what happens. We'll be back next time for the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Mm-hmm.